Community Alliance with Family Farmers presents the Farmers Beat podcast. That's B-E-E-T. Hi, my name is Grace Perry. I work at Community Alliance with Family Farmers, also known as CAF. I am the host of these episodes where we hear directly from small family farmers throughout California, getting the real information and the stories behind the food we grow and eat. In this series, we pay particular attention to the innovative work small-scale farmers are doing to keep their food safe to eat and share techniques farmer to farmer. My name is Don Sherman, or Donald Sherman, and I am the proud owner of Sherman Produce Market and also a farmer, too. I have a retail outlet, and I'm also a second, third-generation farmer. Born in the city of Fowler, California, and been associated with the farm pretty much all my life. Today, we visit Donald Sherman in Kerman, California. Donald is a third-generation farmer whose family migrated to California from Louisiana. Donald recounts his family's farming history, inspired by his mother. My parents from Louisiana, they farmed back there along with other things that they did. And when they migrated out this way, out west, it was actually my mother who was kind of an inspiration. She was into the nursery thing, growing up flowers, just all kind of nursery things, horticulture. She actually received degrees in that through the mail. I mean, she she studied. From there, my older brothers kind of picked that up and went on to college to get degrees in horticulture and in the ag industry, and I just kind of followed suit right behind them. Donald has been operating his farm for the past 30 years. Me and uh, one of my older brothers, we were actually farming together, but unfortunately he passed away in 1998. From that point, it was just me on my own, and I had a decision to make, you know, whether I was going to keep going with the family stuff. And uh, at that time, nobody else was wanting to pick it up. And I said, well, you know, this is something that I like to do, and it's in my blood. So from, from then, it was, uh, it was me on my own, born and raised here, been here pretty much all my life. And I can't even remember the last time that we've never not had a farm. We've never not had some type of acreage and raising some type of crop. He currently grows on multiple parcels of leased land in Fresno County, but hopes that can change soon. It's always been leased land, probably not until, if I'm fortunate enough here within the next year or two, to be able to buy and, and actually own. I've had a couple of brothers that actually own some almond land in north of Fresno in the Chowchilla, Madeira area. But the vegetable stuff has always been lease ground, but, but we're going to see if we can't change that. In addition to a full-time job off the farm, he's a man of many responsibilities at the farm. I do everything. <laughs> uh, irrigate, plant, help harvest assist in the packing and also the delivery of the product. Pretty much have my hands on everything, you know, from from the seed to the delivery. So there's there's not anything that I don't play a role in. Donald is also part of the African American Farmers of California, a nonprofit organization based in Fresno that uses a demonstration farm to cultivate seasonal ethnic African crops and empower youth to learn how to farm. It's a a great group of people, some old-time farmers, and within the last two to three years, I've really seen things improve. The membership has gone up, and 
We're able to work with some of the youth, which is something that I like too. We're starting to see some some real positive results and starting to get a little bit of work done there. But a great organization, a lot of good people in there. Like I said, old time farmers and stuff that have been at it for a long time and looking to do pretty cool things here in the next couple of years. Most of the members are right here in Fresno, but we have open arms. Anybody from up and down the state, we encourage them to come down and see what we're doing. Donald describes the African-American farmers of California as a community that shares knowledge and farm equipment, including a new refrigerated truck that helps keep produce safe to eat and top quality in transit from the farm to market. I was fortunate enough to be able to purchase a refrigerated truck so that one of the obstacles that uh, we've always had about transporting your goods and being able to do it in a safe manner, now that's gone. So we we have that now, and I'm going to try and assist some of the other farmers. They may not have that, so I'm looking to try and help out fellow farmers around my area and with the organization, too, so that, you know, those markets in the Bay Area, down in L.A., are, are now they're, they're accessible. Farming area right now is in Kerman, California, and it's approximately 10 acres. And what's planned for this area is the bulk of the watermelons and the mixed melons for the springtime. Donald takes us on a tour of his farm and describes the diverse variety of crops grown. Wintertime and some of the crops that are still here right now, there's sections of turnips, mustard green, collard greens, cabbage, both varieties, purple and green, Napa cabbage, daikon, green onions, beets, Swiss chard, kale, and there's probably, in total, probably about five acres of it is planted in right now, but we're, we're in the transition point right now. The other spot is a three-acre piece in Fresno on California and Fair, and it's the African-American Farmers Demonstration Site. And I believe we're going to probably plant that plot in butternut squash. That's, that's what we're looking at. Then there's another three-acre piece in Carruthers, California, which is probably going to be planted in different peas, black-eyed peas, purple-hole peas, green beans. So that should be enough to keep me busy. Each farm area is surrounded by other, other types of farming, mostly grapes and almonds around the surrounding areas. He is famous for certain types of crops that he grows. The watermelons, for sure, and also the mixed melons. But during the wintertime, I have a pretty strong following for all of the leafy greens and things during the wintertime. So I'm I'm year-round. Sherman Produce distributes throughout Fresno County and hopes to eventually sell around the Bay Area. Donald talks to us about his local produce stand and the community that it serves. I deliver to markets across the city on the west side of Fresno and also the north side and and a couple of other adjacent smaller towns. But predominantly it is the people that are are close to where my my fruit stand and my little market is. That's, That's always a constant. But we're looking to also get into the Bay Area markets, which I think is going to happen uh, here this this spring, summertime. We purchased that, me and one of my brothers, probably in the early, early 2000s. 
And when we, we purchased it, there was nothing there except for block. No electrical, no water, no anything. So it's been a grind in building, refurbishing, and bringing it to bringing it up to where we want it to be. And uh, we still got a little bit more to go because we're adding some more refrigeration and and different different displays and different things. So we're we're always changing and upgrading. It's in uh, one of the lower income communities that normally doesn't seem like they get the top quality stuff, but that's what I try to provide, and that's that's what part of this is about. With decades of farming experience, we're here to learn from Donald about food safety at Sherman Produce. Donald explains how he implements and upholds a culture of food safety at his different farm locations. Well, that's something that's going to have to be a a regular thing, being able to check on the, check on the workers and, and, and reassuring. Well, once a week, once every couple of weeks, once a month, if you have regular employees that you have some type of tailgate tailgating meetings to go over and do some refresher on different things, keeping things sanitized and safe harvesting gloves and the whole deal and, and staying with it, making sure that it's a common practice. Donald also requires his employees to wear gloves during harvest, a practice that is not required by the Food Safety Modernization Act, but when combined with proper hand washing and disposal practices, can help reduce food safety risks on a farm. There's cotton gloves and then there's more of a Playtex type, you know, which is probably better for the leafy greens. But they are required, uh, you know, when they're done with them, they don't use them. That's it for the day. So they, they dispose of those. So we keep fresh gloves. Donald gives us tips on how to maintain food safety when growing crops at several different locations like being creative with storage to make sure tools are accessible when you need them. The things that I need to do, well, I have to do it at all, you know, some type of storage at each one. It doesn't have to be huge storage, but in my vehicle, if there are things that need to be restocked, I have to make sure and keep keep those things with me. And also keeping a copy of the plan, uh, food safety, and the, the manual with me at all times. So if there's a question about anything, when I go through and do my checks and to make sure everything is updated and every day, if there's daily checks and make sure it's filled out, make sure it's all counted for, make sure that we're following the, the procedures. We do have uh, hand washing and uh, portable toilets at all of the locations. Sherman Produce harvests and processes bunched greens like kale, collards, and chard in large quantities. Donald describes how he processes the leafy greens after harvest and what type of equipment he uses. Well, from, from the field, we have pick boxes. They used to be all wood, which is starting to, you know, they're starting to fade out. As Donald mentions, wood isn't a great material to use when handling raw produce because it is not easily cleaned and sanitized and can absorb and retain moisture, leading to cracks in the surface and the harboring of pathogens. Non-porous materials like plastic or stainless steel are ideal from a food safety standpoint. Let's get back to Donald. Fiberglass and plastic tubs that we'll, we'll pick and put into the tubs and then put on a trailer and transport over to the wash station where fresh water and sanitizer that's applied according to the label. And then we drench it and wash it 
and then we put it into new pack boxes, you know, count them out, put them in there and then onto a pallet into the truck. From there, it goes straight to refrigeration at my shop. Dunk tank or batch washing can increase food safety risks on a farm because of the potential for cross-contamination. Like if a piece of produce comes into the wash process with contamination from the field, adding it to a wash tank with other produce can quickly spread the contamination to the other produce. Using sanitizers and wash water can help prevent cross-contamination. Establishing and sticking to a schedule for changing wash tank water and sanitizing equipment can also help reduce risks, as Donald describes. Big, uh, wash tanks that have plugs, and at the end of the day or when the water becomes cloudy, dirty, we just take the plugs off and drain it and rinse all of the, the soil or any, any uh, debris out of it and go back and sanitize it and rinse it out and then, and then put it back into service again. Reading the label on your sanitizer product is very important to ensure you are applying the sanitizer correctly and at the right concentration. Donald uses the same sanitizer product for both sanitizing tools and equipment and in wash water, but applies them at different concentrations. We'll link to a resource that can help you select a sanitizer and locate the product label in the show notes. This, this has been water tested and soil tested here in the last month. Another way to reduce risk during post-harvest processing is to make sure any water used is free from pathogens. We recommend testing your water source to make sure there's no detectable generic E. coli. As Donald acquires additional land and scales up his operation, he tells us what food safety changes he's considering at the moment. One thing that I, that I probably will do is to have my son or somebody else uh, in the business that I can train and bring them up to speed on the food safety so that there's more than just one person looking over things so that we can make sure we stay in compliance and that uh, we're doing everything that we need to do. Donald has acquired a great amount of knowledge on farming and food safety. He gives us some wise words for farmers who are just starting to venture into food safety protocols for their farms. I think one of the, one of the most important things would be the the restroom facilities, the hand washing, because you always hear about that, to make sure you drive that home and make sure that that stuff is available for the workers and that they don't have to travel such long distances to the facilities, be able to put it in a place where it's easier for them to be able to do it. That way you can encourage them to follow those guidelines. I think that, along with better record keeping. Lastly, Donald shares what lies ahead for the farm. There is a bell pepper, and I can't remember what variety it is, but I'm looking forward to trying that. It's a, a larger size bell pepper, red and yellow. And there is a particular watermelon that I'm growing that's it's more of a box-sized melon that's used for box sales that, that I've never raised before because I'm trying to target a certain market. Automation. Being able to become more efficient that way, as far as washing, boxing, refrigeration, everything, even though we have a start now, there's still a ways to go. And also adding to the acreage. I would love to get out to about 40 acres or so because there's a, there's a lot of things that I'd like, to, I'd like to do, so that's on the horizon too. 
CAF is a nonprofit organization that has been helping small farmers across California with technical assistance and policy advocacy since 1978. If you're curious about things you learned in this episode, head over to our show notes at calf.org slash farmersbeat. That's B-E-E-T, where we have links, resources, and photographs. Be sure to share this episode with your friends and follow us on Instagram at calf underscore fam farms to stay up to date on when new episodes are released and see more pictures from the farms featured in this podcast. This podcast would not exist without the funding from the California Specialty Crop Small and Medium Scale Farm Food Safety Technical Assistance Program, made possible by the United States Department of Agriculture. The contents of this podcast are solely the responsibility of CAF and do not necessarily represent the official views of the USDA. We thank them for their support of this work and helping real farmers share their food safety tips to other farmers. Are you a farmer interested in being in a future episode or have a question related to this podcast? You can contact us at thefarmersbeat at calf.org. Thank you for listening and join us for the next episode from CAF, sharing farm fresh insights right from the field and giving voice to sustainable agriculture since 1978.